ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So Feed you, me! Please. So if you have questions about today's episode, if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. Two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. You can also tweet at us. The Twitter handle is at SFDiocese, S as in Sue, F as in Falls, D-I-O-C-E-S-E, and use the hashtag Ignition. Sorry to limit your 140 characters that way. Uh, you can use more than one tweet if you need to. We'll, Just we'll, reply we'll, to the same tweet and we'll be able to follow. We'll allow it, yeah. I, I guess. Not going to allow that. Not going to happen on my Twitter feed. Who are you? I know. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Yes, Father Dickinson. And what is your pastoral assignment? My pastoral assignment? In the Diocese of Sioux Falls. In the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I have, I, well, it's interesting you say that because I don't have a pastoral assignment outside the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So my pastoral assignment is that I am the pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White, uh, the mission with a mission, and I am the director of the Pope Pius XII Newman Center serving uh, the campus of South Dakota State University, bringing Catholic life, culture, faith to students, faculty, and staff. I certainly hope so. And who are you? Who am I? Who do you think you are? I'm Chris Bergwald, Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Um, Jermaine's husband for 17 years, Elena, Carl, Noel, Alexis, Mercedes' dad for 12 years or less, depending on how old you are as one of those said children. (laughs) So, so Father, I'm struck by something right now uh, about today's topic. So, um, we're recording this November 8th, which this year is Election Day. So, as we're recording this, you know, we, we don't know yet who our president-elect well, yeah. is. Um, you're listening to this at the very soonest, December 7th, but if you're hearing this on the radio, it's probably December 8th, a month Ish. later. On which we are celebrating the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And Father, one of the things that we're going to talk about later uh, in this episode, just there's to me a big dichotomy between the importance of this election, oh. but, but elements of this election, and the importance of the solemnity. Mm-hmm. and uh, Which is the patronal solemnity for the United States. Yep. Yep. So, uh, what is that? So, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, is what the Immaculate Conception is, what it isn't, uh, and why it matters. But, Father, explain what you just said. It's the, this is the patronal solemnity of the United States. What does that mean? So, patron is a type of alcohol. <laughs> no, uh, in the sense that we have a patron as a country, and the patronness of our country is the Blessed Virgin Mary. Immaculately conceived. Okay. So okay. this feast day of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception is the feast day for every Catholic, and indeed even for non-Catholics, even for non-Christians in this country. December eighth, the Immaculate Conception is their feast day. Right. So uh, this is our this is our national feast day. Um, not just as Catholics, as Father said, although we're the only ones probably who celebrate it. Um, uh, but it's for, for, truly for everyone. By the way, um, 
It's for that reason, little liturgical trivia for you. You might recall um, that when some sole- some holy days of obligation, I should say that, like All Saints Day, right. for instance, or the Solemnity of the Annunciation, March 25th, when those fall on Saturday or Monday, the obligation to attend Mass on those days is waived. Now, you could quibble about that. You could argue, Oh, I will fa- quibble. Father's going to quibble about that. I want to start a campaign of letter writing to the U.S. bishops. <laughs> so Give that, us back our holy days. That's a day that the, uh, they, there, that's a decision the bishops made uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, <clears throat> so there's that. However, when December 8th falls on a Monday or a Saturday, the obligation to attend Mass is not waived for exactly this reason, because it is the patronal feast of the United States. So, because we we revere uh, Mary conceived without sin, Mary conceived immaculately as our patroness, we always go to Mass on this solemnity. Yes. Although, interestingly, if it's on a Sunday, yes. then we do the Sunday of Advent, then we move it to the ninth, and we still celebrate it. Yes. But the obligation to attend Mass, I think, is waived then. Uh, I think it's weird. That, that, that's my quibble there. Be... I think the obligation is waived when, when we do it. We still observe it, but the obligation, for some reason, goes away. Yeah. Well, anyways, it's a great feast day. It's a great feast day. And boy, I could do an entire episode on why we need to have our feast days, like always be obligatory. Yeah. Obli- yes, yes, yes. Anyways. Anyways. But we don't want to focus on, that's enough about the liturgical uh, trivia regarding <laughs> this. We wanted to focus a little bit on the doctrine and the reality that the doctrine points to, yep. which is the what we're talking about today. So uh, it's helpful, I think, to begin with a reminder about what the Immaculate Conception is not, because oftentimes... Other Christians, but even sometimes Catholics, we get a little uh, fuzzy-brained about this, and we think that the Immaculate Conception is referring to Jesus' conception in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Jesus was conceived immaculately and miraculously, but that's not what we're observing with this particular feast. No. And that, for that, we usually refer to the uh, virgin conception of Jesus right. or the Annunciation, yep. referring to the scripture passage that begins in Latin, uh, Angelus Domini Annunciavit Maria. Yeah, I don't remember the rest. Yeah. But that's how it begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The angel of the Lord declared, declared to Mary. Mary. So it's the Feast of the Declaration. Right, right. And so, <laughs> uh, but anyways, the... Uh, so we have this uh, Feast of Conception, which isn't about, although it is tied into Jesus, we'll make that connection a little bit later on. Uh, but no, it's about Mary's conception in the womb of her mother, St. Anne, uh, through the normal manner right. uh, th- with uh, the Blessed Virgin's father. Now, this is a name I always, we were talking in previous episodes about I say I, I usually say Joachim. You say Joachim? Yep. Instead of Joachim? Joachim, yeah. 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 So Joachim and Anne, uh, the marital embrace, uh, the normal means of child, con- the non-miraculous means of child Correct. conception. What was uh, miraculous is that she was free from sin. Right. So her conception wasn't immaculate in its source, but immaculate in uh, its, uh, qual- well, immaculate wouldn't talk about its source in any sense. Right. We'll be talking more about uh, the quality of her soul. So what what this doctrine is saying, so the bare bones, what, what is the immaculate, what, what does it say? It's saying that from the first moment of her existence, when she was conceived, she was from that moment free from sin, free from, in particular, the original sin 
that the rest of us who were born uh, after who came to exist after Adam and Eve, the rest of us are born in a state of original sin. Uh, Mary is the only, together with her son, the only human beings, uh, they are the only human beings who were conceived without original sin. And the only one by natural uh, conception yep. conceived without original Mary, sin. Mary, yep. Great. So, so that's what it means. So the, the fact that while everyone else, uh, it's, so there are others, we're all freed from original sin mm-hmm. um, at our baptism. Mm-hmm. That's the normal means. John the Baptist in the womb of his mother mm-hmm. after his conception. Mm-hmm. Mary was the only one free from conce- from original sin completely from the beginning of her. I should say also, by the way, Father, um, uh, we also, this is not the meaning of immaculate conception, but uh, oftentimes we often include this, the, the, the reality, the truth that Mary remained free from all sin the rest of her life Correct. in this. So the Immaculate Conception refers specifically to that particular grace she received at her first mode of existence. But we also believe that she never committed an actual sin in her entire life. Right. And that understanding is planted in how we understand this Immaculate Conception. Right, right, right. So we'll get into that here. So, um, now, sometimes there's an objection to this. Well, so you're saying that that Mary didn't need a savior because she if she, if she didn't, never committed a sin. Why would she need to be saved? Exactly. What's the deal with that? Right. I thought Jesus is the only savior. Ex- right. Are you denying the uh, saving power of Jesus Christ by your little Marian dogma here? No, I'm not. Oh, that's good. Yes, thank you. Tell me how. Okay. So what the church, what the church, so this is the thing that happens. Um we the church believes certain things are true because they're proposed to us by God for belief, but but it might be that we don't. Okay, I believe this is true. I accept it because I trust God. Mm-hmm. Why is this true? Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure, but I'm going to spend some time thinking about that. Right, and that's what the church does sometimes for centuries, noodling collectively over the why of something. You know, there's a type of fishing called noodling. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's where you fish with your arm. Seriously? Yeah, like for like huge catfish in like yeah. muddy rivers. And you put these little traps and the catfish go in and kind of spawn in the trap with their mouths open. And you go and you put your arm with your fist closed in the trap and the catfish will bite on your arm. And then you pull the fish out of the water into your boat. Okay. Noodling. Noodling. It's not the kind of noodling I meant. Oh, okay. So that's not what the church was doing. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Uh, so that's what happened in the case of of uh, the the Immaculate Conception. That um, actually in the second millennium, um, a Franciscan theologian, uh, Blessed Duns Scotus, in the second oh second millennium Le- millennium second Le- century Franciscans second, second wow. millennium. Um, uh, came to this uh, this realization, for lack of a better word, that Mary, explaining how was it that Mary needed a savior and yet was without sin, well, the reality that her the, that Jesus' grace won on the cross was applied, to, was applied to her previously in time. The technical term for that is prevenient grace. Preventative grace given to her um, when she was conceived in her mother's womb. There's two ways I can save you from fire. Tell me. The first is I can go into the fire and pull you out. The second is before you go into the fire, I, I if you're falling at a campfire, I could grab you by the collar of your shirt and pull you back. Right. And the second is what happened with Mary. Correct. Before, she did not catch the fire of sin. Yep. She didn't fall into the trap of sin and was then saved from it. She was saved by f- being prevented from falling into the from fire. From what would have been a certain fall into the fire. Exactly. Yep. By her conception, she would have been. 
been conceived with sin if God had not acted. Right. So so this doctrine absolutely, in fact, it, it makes clear the fact that our salvation is due to Jesus Christ alone. Correct. It, re, it emphasizes that and makes it solid and certain. Right. So so there are a couple... Um, now, it's true that this this doctrine is not spelled out explicitly in Scripture. Now, many things that we believe are not spelled out explicitly in Scripture. Trinity? Uh, exactly. Uh, but there are hints for many of these things found in within Scripture, and there are a couple here that I think, Father, would be good to, work, to mention. Well, the first one is one of my favorites, Kekari uh, Tomine. What? Kekari Tomine. You betcha. Actually, I said that incorrectly. It's yeah, you did. Kekari it's I at the end. It's an E at the end. Why do you have an I there? Because you spelled it that way and I let it go. So this is what I rely on you for is to catch these mistakes. <laughs> anyway, no, no. the listeners don't care. I care. I care. Uh, so that word uh, in grace means full of grace. It's in Greek. Get in, in Greek, in Greek uh, means full of grace. That's where you get the word in Luke chapter 1, verse 27 or 28, where it says, uh, Hail, Mary, full of grace. And we use that in a prayer. Right. In fact, it actually doesn't say Mary. It says hail, this full, is of hail full of grace. That her name is full her of grace. Her name is full of grace. Or, or the sense of it is, you who have been highly graced. Right. So past part, of, I don't know. Whatever. Past perfect. I past believe. perfect. Thank you. Yes. Which has the idea of uh, in the past, but also ongoing. Right. So, yes, this goes to the idea of, uh, so the grammar does make sense. You need to know the grammar here, folks, if you want to defend Our Lady. Yep. And so part of the grammar of this word, that it is a past perfect uh, verb, is that she was full of grace and she will be full of grace into the future. Right. And so was means that going back to sometime before the greeting of the angel. So you can't say that her purification was just when she met the angel, but actually goes back and we say goes all the way back to her conception. Exactly. Yep. And this grace that she is full of both in the past and going towards the future is a all sufficient and all abundant grace, uh, grace in good measure. It's not just a minimalistic amount, but it's a uh, plentitude. Plenit exactly. Yep. A fullness. Yep. Uh, Hail Mary, full of grace. Exactly. Then that's where we. That's where we get. How about that? The prayer comes from Scripture. Crazy. Uh, you're listening to Ignition, a broadcast for the new evangelization. I am Chris Bergwald, director of adult discipleship and evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson, the pastor of St. Paul's in White and the director of the Pius XII Newman Center. And we're talking today about the immaculate conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you've got questions about this episode, email us ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet at us at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag ignition tweet tweet so uh, that's one scriptural hint at mary's uh, immaculate conception is found in luke chapter one another as a much older book uh actually the first book of the bible genesis um and in genesis chapter three we read famously about the fall of adam and eve being tempted by the serpent satan uh and 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 then we read though about the promise for salvation to come it's sometimes called the first gospel or in latin right. proto-evangelium the first gospel the first announce the first good news so in uh, genesis chapter 3 verse 15 uh, we read about how god is speaking to the serpent and, and God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 
So the seed, of course, there ultimately was Jesus Christ, who crushed the head of the serpent Satan when he conquered sin and death on the cross. But but so so but but so so <laughs> the beginning of verse fifteen. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Enmity. E-N-M-I-T-Y. The word enmity means complete and utter division and separation. Mm. So between Jesus, the seed of the woman, and Satan, there is complete and utter separation. We know that. But but the verse reads, I will put enmity between you, Satan, the serpent, and the woman. There's not only separation, division between Jesus and the devil, but there's also separation, division between his mother and the devil. Not Eve, because Eve just... Succumbed made to cahoots. Yeah, she just <laughs> she, she just made cahoots with the devil. She succumbed. Is the proper phrase. She is the technical theological term. Um, she succumbed to his temptation, but but the, our Lord says that there will be complete and utter division between you and the woman. That ultimately the church saw was Mary herself, and in order for Mary to have been completely separated from Satan, she could never have had any stain of sin in her soul, including original sin, and therefore she was conceived without sin. Now, again, that's several steps there that we take. So this is not, it, these arguments the church presents for us right. are, are a number of different arguments which together make clear, but we hold all of them because of our faith in God working through his church. Correct. And so it's not that there's any one like uh total one, uh, one-liners that's going to convince you in entirety. Right. It's a symphonic melody. Exactly. Exactly. So, Father, uh, a couple of brief more things. Let's uh, Brief more things. A couple of things more briefly on, on what this is, and let's get to why does it matter. But what else might we say about what this doc, doctor... Well, means? every Marian dogma goes back to Jesus. Okay. In some way. And so it's, it's all connected to him, his divinity, his identity the reality of the incarnation. So every Marian dogma in some way supports this idea of, um, of Jesus' divinity. Okay. And so in this case, the Immaculate Conception is uh, going back to the idea of the fittingness of the vessel for him who is truly the new and eternal covenant. Okay. So Jesus is not just a good man. Jesus is not just a wise prophet. He's not just a good teacher. Jesus is the perfect and new eternal covenant in the flesh. And so it makes sense then, it's fitting that the vessel that bore him into this world uh, would be beautiful and splendorous, not in a material sense, but in a spiritual sense. Just as in, just as the old covenant was also born by a vessel that was splendorous. And inaugurated in glory and mystery and, and power. And so in the same way, it's fitting then that Our Lady in that way, well, she's not... Uh, gold clad uh she's clad in pure faith and pure hope and pure love and pure and pure wisdom and all infused and given by god so and to be clear so that the old vessel was the ark of the old covenant, covenant. yeah and and so no mary is the ark of the new new covenant. covenant yeah and so it's interesting uh there's always that fun tie back you know what was in the ark of the old covenant aaron's staff yep the manna in the yep. desert and the Ten Commandments. Correct. So that idea of like law and priesthood and bread of life, which is mm. all then fulfilled in Jesus mm. Christ. How about that? Contained in the womb of the Virgin. Mm. Anything else, Father, with uh, 
No. No, that's okay. no. So I th- what I find really interesting with everything that we believe, there's always reasons why we believe what we believe, and there's also an answer to the question, what does it matter? Yeah, what's the deal? Yeah. Uh, why so, do I care? So what? Convince me. So that's what we want to spend the last few minutes of this episode of Ignition talking about. What does the dogma, the high church teaching uh, that Mary was conceived without sin, what does this matter for my life? And I think this is so important in this way to talk about this, why does this matter? Because this also helps us understand why God did it. So we can look at the arguments for previously, but unless there's a connection to my actual life. So we see now that the Immaculate Conception isn't just trivial. Yep. But it's actually, no, this is part of God's providence to care for you and to build you up in your own Christian life right. uh, by what he demonstrates and shows forth in the Blessed Virgin. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So, so what does this this doctrine matter? What, How does it matter to me today? I think, Father, the first thing mm-hmm. that, that strikes me is Mary didn't do anything to deserve this prevenient grace. She couldn't have. It was given to her in the first moment of her existence when she was literally one cell big. Right. Sola gratia. Exactly. I mean, it was grace alone for Mary. She could not merit, deserve, earn her Anything. salvation. Right. It was all totally freely given. So a reminder for us in that way, it's humbling for us in that regard, that we ourselves cannot earn our salvation. Exactly. You know, that, that's a, a rap that's made against Catholics by some of the Christians sometimes. That, well, no, this is the doctrine of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception makes clear that we believe that salvation is a gift that's freely given to us by God himself. Yes, we cooperate it, with it, but first we have to receive it. And so to me, that's that's what this means for me then is the doc, dogma, of, dogma of the Immaculate Conception reminds me that before I can do, I have to receive Nemo dat quod non habit. Which means what again? Nemo, no one, dat can give, non habit, what they do not have. Right. You can't give what you don't have. If I have don't have any grace, I can't give it, I can't do anything with it. Right. And so, so fine to be a minister of grace as a priest, as a husband and father, as a lay woman, a lay man in the midst of the world, whatever my calling is in this life, I need to be receiving the grace of our Lord before I'm ever to be applying it to others. Exactly. And so that's why I think the spiritual, the principle life is to be aware of the fact that I receive everything I have and then I cooperate with God's grace <laughs> in doing so. Um, what else, Father? Does, so, well, let me just uh, tie the bow up there. So for yeah. me in my prayer life, mm. that means that um, I begin, as we discussed a couple weeks ago, with gratitude, mm. being aware of what God has given to me before I get to my intentions, my intercessory prayer, et cetera, et cetera. It's one thing for me. Right. And that uh, I think that other thing with that, too, is back in that, uh, in that episode about Thanksgiving and gratitude is it encourages us to the example of the Blessed Virgin should encourage us in our own receptivity and openness to God. Right. Exactly. Yep. 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 <gasps> Um, the other thing too, that, that, uh, and this point was made by the author, uh, Mark Shea, uh, in one of his books on Mary, that the Marian dogmas, the Immaculate Conception and the Assumption, both of which were defined just in the last couple hundred years, they anticipate distortions in an understanding of the human person that have become dominant in our day and age. Right. Uh, and so by, by looking to them, by reflecting on them, by praying on them, by meditating on them, they can remind us of the truth about who I am as a human person, even apart from my status as a Christian, as a Catholic. So for instance, um, 
the doctrine, the dogma of the Mecca conception, again, gets at the fact that we receive all of this as opposed to the dominant idea that's in the air of the culture that we live in. We breathe in the idea all the time that I determine myself, that through the power, the force of my will, I make things happen, even with regard to what and who I am. That I am self-creative in some way. Right, right. As opposed to being utterly dependent upon God. Yep. For all things. And we can see that uh, lie lived out in very many ways in our culture, uh, but we can see it in, uh, especially in uh, kind of our power classes of our culture. We could look at various examples in that regard, but it even does fall down and it affects you. You know, if you don't think uh, you're immune, if you think you're immune from the culture, you're not. Right. And so we need to have this Marian devotion as part of our lives to heal us from this uh, false from this falsity, this falsehood, this lie that destroys souls, which is a part of our culture. Right? Yep. Yep. So, so being aware, look, when we look at, again, when we look at it, we can recognize that this, the, the immaculate conception, we recognize more about the truth about who I am as a human person. So we can live in the freedom of that. Right. Because when you try to live something you're not, it's never going to work. No, I mean, you're living in a lie in that regard. And that lie is destructive. And that lie is for a purpose. I mean, we must not forget that uh, these lies about our human anthropology aren't just trivial things. Right. They are part of Satan's uh, murderous and scheming desire uh, for all souls uh, to, in some way, uh, succumb to uh, succumb to his wiles. So that's, that makes, to me, another uh, implication for us, the so what about the American conception. It brings up another one or raises it? Raises it. A question in that? Oh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so this implication for us of Our Lady. But I just wanted to think, you know, this idea, that, just so you don't think I'm being alarmist about Satan, I'm just thinking about First Peter chapter 5, where he says, Stay sober and alert. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Res- resist him solid in your faith. Right. And so. Uh, but so part of this other gift then for Our Lady is that she was completely free from Satan's influence because she was never once under his thumb. Exactly. And so what does that mean for me? I can never have that. Well, true, but right. by God's grace, I have been and can be remain free from his influence. Um, one of the spiritual principles or principles of the spiritual life, if you just resist, he'll flee. The, the demons, being uh, angelic beings, are by nature more powerful than us. Mm-hmm. Um, but by grace, if we resist, they are powerless over us. Right. And that's just, and so, but the other thing too for Our Lady, and this should give us not despair about ourselves, but hope in her intercession, is that because Satan never took up shop, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, he doesn't, he didn't know her personality, her inner thoughts, her temperaments, yep. you know, whereas he knows ours and can tempt us and, and direct us temptations the way that he knows to which we're susceptible. With her, he never had that advantage. And so for her, she is a powerful intercessor and a compassionate intercessor for us for that very reason. Those are just a couple thoughts on on the relevance of this dogma for our spiritual life. The Lord might have another for you, though. So we would encourage you to reflect, to think, to pray on the meaning of the Immaculate Conception in your own life, but certainly seek her intercession in doing so. And ask Our Lady to help you in that regard. Amen. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet at us, sfdiocese, use the hashtag ignition with any questions or topics for future episodes. And may Almighty God bless you, listeners, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.